that's that's a tenet of our of, of my faith is that you really do have to you know when you can't change the rest of the world you really do have to 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 change yourself you have to you know be the change that you want to see in the world you have to um if you if the world is lacking love then it really starts with you if the world is lacking justice it starts with you well welcome to another episode of navigation and discovery with cameron saying thank you for tuning in and i hope you enjoy today's podcast episode and we have aaron brawley and aaron brawley is an entrepreneur and uh he just released his new book called the fool's paradise and so you're we're gonna enjoy this awesome conversation uh this book is really 12 years in the making and it this book embodies his passion for storytelling and his desire to make a global impact you're gonna enjoy this awesome conversation with aaron talking about the heart of a book it is a fiction book but there's so much to be learned from this awesome book uh fool's paradise so i hope you enjoy this interview and that you take away some awesome lessons learned so i hope you enjoy well aaron thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast we're really looking forward to our conversation today yeah thanks for having me i'm excited yeah yeah so uh congratulations on your book uh fool's paradise i'm really excited to talk about this and but before we uh get going into this conversation uh about the book uh, can you tell our uh, listeners that are listening out there a little bit about who you are, who's Aaron, and uh, tell us a little bit about your journey of life so far? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. So I am a 24-year-old uh, graduate of the Citadel Mil- Military College of South Carolina. Um, you know, I have played sports pretty much my whole life. I was a um, uh football, you know, state champions in high school. I played collegiate uh, football um, at the Citadel. And then since then, I've been trying to find something to do uh, <laughs> with the athletics. But, um, you know, I have uh, started like my own mortgage business. Uh, so I'm an entrepreneur. And I've also gotten married um, to my lovely wife, Adeline, who uh, we've been married for uh, about a year and a half now. So, um, yeah, a lot of exciting things. Uh, that's just a little recap of, uh, me. Awesome. Uh, what type of sports did you play? Yeah. So football, uh, I did, you know, wrestling and, um, a few other things here there, but mostly football. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, so what led you to really write this book, uh, the fool's paradise? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's a long journey. So I've, yeah. I've been writing this book for over a decade. Um, some iteration of it. Um, I've always, always been passionate about stories. Um, my dream is to uh, make movies on the big screen someday. And so Fool's Paradise actually began as a script. A lot, a lot of people know that. Um, it exists in a script format for a while, but I just had too much to say, I think. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, there's, I just want to get the details out there and then, you know, we can visualize it later on. Um, but I, I write Fool's Paradise as a um to be very visual for that reason. I was inspired by uh, another book that I read called The Once and Future King. Um, it's a story about King Arthur. It's like a revision on it. Um, but it, it it was a fictional book that I read my first year in college um, while I was still struggling to figure out what I was going to do with Fool's Paradise. And that book had such a profound impact on me. And it taught me so much about leadership and power and what it looks like to wield that properly. Um, 
And I was at a leadership school and I learned so much from that book, um, you know, more than any single class um, that I had taken, you know, but, uh, and I realized that you can really impact somebody's life with a fictional book. So, yeah, I, like I mentioned before we started recording, I didn't realize that you could take out so many lessons from a fiction book because I've read, I don't read fiction too much at the moment. Um, but like before I used to read, you know, fiction books here and there and through school, you know, you have to read fiction, but I never realized you could get so many life lessons, especially your book. You could, you, you, I've only gone through a quarter of it so far. Um, but you, you realize that a lot of effort was put into it. You could tell a lot of time was put into making sure that you're telling the story the right way and making sure that the message that you're trying to send is coming across properly. Yeah. Um, I feel like stories like fictional stories offer, uh, well, actually just stories in general offer a chance to exist in somebody else's shoes and you drop whatever mental guard that you have and you just, you just walk a mile or however long in somebody else's shoes. You, you, you live their story and then you also kind of personify it. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of, that was my draw with fiction. Yeah. Um, so let's go into kind of the, the plot behind the book a little bit. So what's, what's the heart really behind this book? Um, what is it all about? Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, let's go into that a little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do my best to give a, um, a, a precise answer. I struggle with that one. Um, <laughs> Don't give too much away. Cause we want people to get the book. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, um, fool's paradise is a coming of age, uh, fantasy action mystery novel okay um and i like to call it epic as well in the traditional sense of the epic um it it follows this you know young teenager named clay who uh is kind of obsessed with heroes in a world that doesn't really um believe in them anymore and you know he essentially has this encounter with uh, a one of these types of heroes and it changes his life permanently, uh, not in the best way at all. And he's, there's a lot of fallout from this, uh, this interaction with this person. And, uh, yeah, um, I guess, I guess that might be enough. <laughs> there's a lot, I mean, you know, he goes on the run and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. So there's a lot of different elements at play here, but, uh, that's, that's the, that's the hook at least. So talk a little bit about the impact of cast in the world of Fool's Paradise. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, cast is uh, a huge element in Fool's Paradise. So um, one one of the core like central themes in the world of Fool's Paradise is the idea of prejudice, right? Um, so uh, in terms of going back to your question about the heart of it, you know, I clay in a lot of ways exemplifies like a journey even I had of coming up and kind of realizing that you're you were born into a broken world you know maybe uh coming from a little bit more of a sheltered background and then being thrown full thrust into um some of the you know the the details that were hidden away from you in the world and so uh clay's journey uh, in some ways parallels my own on that um and you know he he is learning about some of the uh injustices that that go on and, and one of those things is prejudice uh and, and caste and so the, the the world of fool's paradise is centered around a caste system his his caste is at the uh, the bottom of the food chain and uh you know we really do take some time to show the impact of that on 
you know, him in terms of understanding his identity. Um, and also, uh, showing, you know, what, you know, I guess the fallout of that on his community at large, you know, so it's really a journey for him to understand the way that the world works and also trying to figure out his place in it. Mm. Yeah. I think the, um, there's a lot to say when it comes to the idea of inheriting a broken world and what to do about it. And I can resonate the same as, um, you know, coming out of a sheltered environment, then you come to this world and you're like, Oh my goodness. Like no one ever told me about X, Y, and Z. No one told me about prejudice. Don't, no one told me about this problem. Um, so uh, Aaron, so when it comes to really addressing these challenges, because I think your your book is going to resonate with a lot of people, if not already, um, with seeing being a part of a broken world is very relevant to yes. the society that we're in today, is when it comes to addressing these challenges, um, being in a broken world and inheriting it, especially not only our generation, but the generations to come, what role do individuals play in in truly making a difference? Yeah. So, um, I think that, you know, all this ties back into your question about like my heart behind the story. So me personally, I am super passionate about the idea of reconciliation. Um, but I don't approach it quite the same way as many other people do. Um, I truly believe that a lot of the issues that we deal with in the world, um, stem from a projection of things that we haven't dealt with privately. And so, you know, um, trauma, a lot of times, a lot of people have come up with trauma, um, or, you know, are met with it. Um, and it, it impacts who they become and it shapes who they are, but it also shapes how they see the world and how they see others. And so there is this journey that a lot of people, um, neglect and they try to fix their external circumstances versus fixing, um, the things that they've kind of been running away from. And that leads to this cycle that we find ourselves in. So, um, that's really my, that's honestly the biggest underlying uh, heart behind Fool's Paradise is that journey along with having empathy for, um, you know, people we call friends and also people we call our enemies as well, you know, um, really seeing the stories and the things that shape each and every one of us to get to where we are um, is, is really big. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's, that's what I want my, what, what I want people to walk away with is seeing themselves in these characters, seeing the nuances. I, I did a, I did my best to write very nuanced characters who have real struggles, real questions, um, you know, who are struggling. You know, uh, in some ways, Clay is, is, is kind of punished for doing something really good in this story. I'm not going to spoil what that is, but the reason things are bad uh, for him is because he does something good. And that's that's a tough thing to, 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 to deal with, but that happens quite often that there's just not the world isn't fully balanced in that way um, where, where good is rewarded with good. Um, and, and what are you going to do? How are you going to, um, how are you going to continue on? Who are you going to be in that type of world? So that's the question that they are facing. Um, and hopefully my audience uh, resonates with that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, facing trauma and dealing with um, issues of self and really looking at your inner self. And I know we're going to touch on that a bit later, but what's your take on that? Like, why should someone, because I, I get what you're saying, because um, there's often people out there, I've seen this too, is like, 
people are out there wanting to change the world and do this or voice their opinion on this. Uh, this is not going right, or I would do it this way, but not really looking at themselves first. Yeah. Um, why do you think that's a, important first is to look at our inner self first and fix what's, um, you know, in, in our hearts? Yeah. Well, my fear is that, and not my fear, I, I feel like um, history has proven that when we don't do that, when we skip that step, we have a tendency to become exactly what we hated. You know, we just, and I have, I mean, a, a lot of this book is centered around something I call the pendulum theory. Something that, you know, after researching a lot of history on a, you know, macro scale, um, civilizations, and also just the personal journeys of a lot of people, I've seen how it plays out in, in people's lives. And I don't want to get too into it because that's something I definitely want to explore through these books. But um, yeah, the uh, there's a tendency to, to replace whatever you're trying to fix with another broken thing. <laughs> so um, that's it's an important step that we shouldn't skip over. Yeah. And then, well, what would you say are some of the potential barriers or obstacles that that people may face when really trying to make that difference? So in regard to potential barriers or obstacles, um, I think the biggest is the fact that it's just hard, that it's uncomfortable for people. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to be angry. It's a lot easier to project. It's a lot easier not to have to face yourself. And again, of course, I come from a, uh, a Christian background and so those values do uh you know influence the way that i see those things but you know that that kind of that's that's a tenant of our of, of my faith is that you really do have to you know when you can't change the rest of the world you really do have to 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 change yourself you have to you know be the change that you want to see in the world you have to um if you if the world is lacking love then it really starts with you if the world is lacking justice it starts with you mm -hmm. You know, um, and not to be bitter, you know, not to be enslaved and shackled in, um, in that or the bitterness that we've inherited, you know, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, oftentimes, um, you know, it can be very easy to make comments and make our opinions uh, on topics, what's going on in the world and what's going on around us. But really, you know, the, the first thing is you're looking at yourself. But then also taking that leap of faith in beyond that, like what what can you do within your means? Like what can you do to really make that difference? And oftentimes it's really scary to do that. There's a lot of fear. There's maybe a lack of self-confidence to to be able to even step out and, and do whatever that might be. Um, how can once? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm saying uh, an opposition, just natural mm -hmm. opposition. Um, that. my brother always says he's like how do you know that you're going the right way in a video game and it's like you have enemies <laughs> you yep. know yeah um there is opposition that comes when you're when you're choosing a different path when you're choosing a harder path you're going to face enemies um you know depending on your perspective spiritual or just you know ideological whatever um i definitely believe in a, a mixture of both so um yeah it's 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 definitely a hard journey yeah. So how do you continue to press forward and continue going when you're when you're facing that opposition, when you're taking that leap of faith to go make a difference, make a change um, and you get all this opposition, but yet, you know, you're going the right direction. How do you keep moving forward or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes a strong conviction. 
you know, some of the greatest people that I know in, in my life personally have come from some of the worst backgrounds. And they had a strong conviction that what they saw would not be what they reproduced. You know, mm-hmm. the idea of succession is huge when it comes to society. Um, whether we know it or not, we are reproducing all the time. And being conscious about what we're reproducing into the world <clears throat> is, uh, is, is key. So you just have to have that conviction that what I've seen, like the buck ends with me, essentially. I, I refuse to contribute any more of that. I refuse to perpetuate whatever kind of curses have been handed down or um, uh, traumas, you know? Yeah, that's really good, Aaron. So so moving on to the next question is, is how can we really ensure that the next generation, that they inherit a better world than the one we currently have? Because that's something so important. Um for for us where we are today it's it's like how what are we doing to make sure that the next generation will have it just a little bit better than we did yeah that's actually a huge theme uh in fool's paradise is this idea of passing down the baton and it shows up in so many different ways um passing down dreams passing down trauma all those other things but uh, of course it's a little unfair to the next generation to have to to clean up whatever was left unfinished, right? And uh, it becomes that much more difficult the longer it continues. So again, it takes accountability. I'm I'm not saying that it's a one-person job. I'm actually saying it's not a one-person job, um, but it starts with one person. Like I said, having that conviction, that accountability is saying, okay, at least for the part that I can do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think making sure that you're doing your part is so important and not not being of the attitude or the ideology where, oh, let someone else do it. Because if you let someone else do it, then it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and again, it's not glorious. It's, mm-hmm. it's often uh, very challenging, unglorious. You know, you, you might not get praised for it. You might get hate for it, mm-hmm. you know, but... Again, that's the that might be the the short term price to pay if we want to see something different in our children, if we want to see something yeah. different in our families, mm-hmm. and you know, in our and anyone who's in our circle of influence. Sometimes that's just the price that we have to pay. Uh, but it is easy, and I, I address that also in my book. There's a lot of characters who who are inheriting um, these broken pieces and the question is what to do with them and all of them, you know, they have different ways that they want to address it. So not, it's not a monolith. There's a multitude of conversations here. It's a nuanced thing. And I, I'm not going to pretend to yeah, be able to simplify it in this conversation, but um, there's a lot of different questions on how to address it and what's the right way. And, and I want, you know, my characters to explore that. And I want people who read my book to have those conversations as well and mm-hmm. figure out what that looks like in their, in their world. Yeah, and I do think there's a misconception when we talk about making a difference, doing something, stepping out in faith, that has to be something big. And it doesn't really have to be something big. It's those little steps of of taking action, uh, making a difference that really overall make a larger difference. You know, for example, like Aaron, one of the things is writing this book. That's a step. That's a step of making a difference in um in not only like having people read it and um people's lives being changed from it but also something that you leave behind is when you pass on this is that book is going to stay in this world and that's just one little part of making a difference in this world yeah that yeah. i'm not gonna you know 
I don't know what the future holds for this series. I hope it does well. Yeah. Uh, my prayer has always been that the people who do get to read it, that it that it actually means something, that it actually impacts them. Yeah. That's that's been my prayer from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that action for someone listening here might be something different, but like just taking those little leaps of faith, those little steps going out in the uncomfortable um, can make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so now, now I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit and now we're going into um, a little bit of discovering one's roots and it. It's a huge theme in your book, uh, talking about discovering one's roots. So in this book, what does it mean to discover one's roots? Uh, first that, and then why is it important to, to for individuals to explore who they are? Yeah. So this one's a little bit more personal for me. Um, I mean, I guess they all are, but this is uh, a journey that I feel like I've been on in the last, you know, several years. Um, you know, as an African-American, for me, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I don't even know where my family comes from, you know, obviously probably somewhere in Africa, but that's pretty much, be, you know, beyond that, I don't know. I don't have, uh, my lineage starts, uh, you know, not too long ago. We don't really know much beyond that. And so it's hard to know where, uh, where you can go when you don't know where you guys have been. And, um, and, and I kind of, present that. Uh, one of the influences that I had um, from that, that really gave me a good framework was Isabel Wilkerson's book on cast. And uh, it gave me the understanding of some of the nuances that happen in society that don't really fit neatly into whatever category, um, but that really determine the type of world that we live in and, um, you know, what it looks like, what your identity, what, what identity you inherit. You know, what, what assigned role you're meant to play in the larger scheme of things. Um, and so from, and then, you know, I went to a military college, which itself is built on a caste system um, intentionally, you know, the freshmen, they are pretty much like the initiates, right. And they, everybody else is above them. And um, you know, we were all eyes are on us and, you know, we go through a whole bunch of, of crap or whatever, but <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that experience for me was, was eye-opening. I felt like I was understanding maybe some of the, you know, we, we had to, you know, walk around the building, use the back door, you know, we had to eat a certain way. Um, but for me, I felt like it was an opportunity to take a glimpse into what it must have been like for maybe my grandparents or my great-grandparents who, yeah. you know, had to fight that fight, you know, during civil rights or whatever to to be able to have the freedoms that I have. Um, but when their identity was stripped away from them, you know, um, I didn't, you know, my name was cadet recruit. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't weird. It was just cadet recruit. Um, and so that, I think that was what springboarded me to look for. Um, it just, it just opened my eyes to, to the large implications of identity um, on people groups. It opened my idea, my eyes on it, obviously watching stuff in the news also, um, you know, and, and just trying to figure out what, what it would look like to, to, to see something better. All those things really uh, played a role in that. So long answer, but that's what I have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could resonate to Aaron, you know, not knowing where um, your history, because of, like for myself with my family, 
Um, no one knows anything beyond like my grandparents, like uh, my great grandparents. And so we don't really know the roots of it. And I guess not knowing that, you know, um, my, my mindset is now, you know, don't know it, but now what are we going to do to change that? So, you know, now we have the chance to write our own story and write, write our own identity and create something that's a different, that's kind of the non-traditional within our culture. Yeah. 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 It's, you have a chance to create that identity. Um, yeah. You know, I know some families that have like, um, like a family crest and a family motto, you know, mm -hmm. that's how deeply their identity is. They say, you know, we fought in the, um, you know, the Aegean war X amount of thousands of years ago, you know, stuff like it's yeah. like, wow, <laughs> this, is, this is, that is an identity right there. You know, yeah. um, actually I went over to Greece a few, a couple months ago and you're just seeing how they're literally looking, they're first of all living in a city that has been, uh, house in Athens that has been there for thousands of years that has survived conquests, invasions that has yeah. survived all types of things. They're looking at monuments that are built 4,000 years ago, stuff like that. And, um, they carry that with them. And so, you know, we may not have that privilege, you and I, but, um, we do have the privilege of creating a legacy that goes beyond us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So uh, in your experience, what, what are some motivations or triggers that lead people to really embark on this journey of discovering their roots? Well, um, I can mostly speak about my own experience. Yeah. Um, I definitely have, you know, I think in that regard, I would say that that was probably the most personal one. So uh, there is, so in the book, there is this people group called the Gula, right? That is where my, what my character Clay is. Uh, he's a Gula that is basically this bottom portion of the cast that doesn't really have an assigned ethnicity or, um, history assigned to it. You know, you don't really know what you are. You're just lumped into it. And so Clay just knows that he is a Gula. Mm. Um, as the story goes on, he learns more about who he is. And we actually get to meet some of the people um, from his same tribe, uh, if you will. Um, and I wanted to, especially with the people that he meets, I actually, that one was even more personal because I wanted to give honor to, um, you know, I, I spent time in South Carolina. And so I spent a lot of time with like the Gullah Geechee folks, yeah. right? So they're not quite, uh, we're not, you know, I, I don't think that I am Gullah Geechee, but you know, I, I got to spend a lot of time with those guys. I got to hear their stories. I got to uh, understand, you know, some of the things that they, they deal with as a, as a community. And uh, for me, I wanted to give honor to the stories that go unheard with them. Mm. Um, you know, we, 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 I mean, we're all part of the same diaspora and they have a story uh, and it just, it just, it, it moved me to hear their stories. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to give honor to that, that curiosity for stories to hear people's stories. You know, uh, there's a native American character or not native American, but the equivalent of that in my world, um, in this story that's influenced by a native American friend that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and he, he was on the same journey as I was. He was like, you know, I, he's like, I don't know my lineage past my mom. Mm you know, because, uh, or actually past his grandparents because they got taken off of where the land that they previously had and they were forced to assimilate. 
Um, and so he was like, I want to discover that stuff. He was like, I feel like there's been so much that's been stolen from me that I just don't know about where I come from. You know, I don't, you know, I didn't even know. He's like, I barely even knew I was Native American. Even, you know, his mom never talked about it. And she, she just kind of tucked it away for a long time. And so, um, but he had this long straight hair that nobody else, <laughs> you know, had. <laughs> but, you know, I think that it is so important to give people I think it's important for people to do that discovery, um, to answer questions, mm-hmm. obviously on like a practical level, um, but also just to know that there's, I guess, just something that you're a part of something greater. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think it really makes a difference to see yourself beyond where you are, see the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is you mentioned, uh, I, I think another thing is cherishing your roots. I think oftentimes um, when people understand their identity or understand where they came from or who they are, um, I've seen many not not necessarily cherish it. They're either ashamed of it. They're either um, try to assimilate to the world that they're in and try to um, just put that aside. Like, oh, I don't want to be a part attached to that. I don't want to be, um, I, I, I want to I want to be like the others. Yeah. There is a uh, larger conversation, you know, going on about, you know, why does it even matter? It doesn't matter, you know, uh, at least in America, we're American, you know, and that's all we need to be. Um, and I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that, I think that it's, it's okay to say these are the differences culturally, ethnically, without saying that one is, uh, better than the other or whatever. It's just, this is who I am. This is something that I can be proud of. And it, and you know what, there's something that I can learn from your culture. There's something that you can learn from my culture. Yeah. We're parts of, you know, we're parts of a whole, you know, there's value in that. Um, but if you don't know where you come from, then it's hard to contribute to that conversation. Yeah. It's hard and to feel I, wrong. Go yeah. And I, and I think staying curious is key too to cherishing other people's cultures, because I think, um, like having that posture of curiosity, asking questions, getting to know people beyond just the hi, how are you? What do you do? It's like learning people's stories and understanding like who they are, their roots and uh, cherishing and understanding other people's philosophies and ideals. Because I think in today's world, it's so quick to, oh, this person thinks this way, so I don't like you. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so prevalent today. And um I think that's that's often like traditionally how the church is seen too is yeah. but it's it's really you know just like God he went to I really like the chosen and how they represent like God and and Jesus and how he walks walk this world it's like he went to everyone and he he gave the attention to uh people on an individual level understanding them uh who they are regardless of what their background was and all he wanted to do is just understand people yeah. yeah. And there's something powerful in allowing somebody to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, no matter what you have to say to them, they're not going to receive it if they don't feel like they, if it, if it doesn't come to something that's in a form that's palatable to their need, to where they're at. You know, um, if you, for instance, if you're evangelizing, right. And you say, um, and someone's talking about how they lost somebody dear to them and that's an obstacle with them, uh, coming to Christ. Right. Yeah. You say, you know, that sucks, but you know what, you know, I have 
thousands of dollars for you right now. You know, like I, it, yeah. I you don't have to worry about anything else. So it's like, okay, that's not what I was talking about. That's not my need right now. You know, I you can give me money, but it's not going to address my core problem. Mm-hmm. And the issue still continues on. I, I used yeah. to see that a lot. I, I, I like to evangelize as well. Um, and I, always start out by giving the person, not giving the person, just being curious about the person in general. Um, I, I think I just approach conversations that way, being curious about people, understanding I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle when it comes yeah. to, um, you know, to, like, I don't have all the answers, but mm-hmm. um, I can allow somebody to feel heard. Yeah. I can allow them to feel seen. And if I do that, there is no limit to where the conversation can go. That's true. That's so true. Because I think today uh, that I don't even know what we call it a value or, or just making people uh, heard and understood. It's, it's almost lost today. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you said something earlier about um, just assuming somebody is this because of, you know, mm-hmm. you're just assuming who they are. And um that's always been frustrating for me. Uh, just in general, I, I feel like I've always kind of been that person who floats between a whole bunch of different boxes and circles. I've never fit neatly into one of them. Yeah. Um, and I've always been super curious about other people and, uh, and their stories. And I didn't realize that that was a, a strength until college, right around the time I started writing this version of Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we need more of that. We need more curiosity. Clay is huge. Clay is the main vessel that I use for that journey. He starts out in this this isolated town and as he journeys, he he you know, we, we start out not knowing too much more about the world than Clay does. Yeah. And as he moves and progresses, we learn more and more about the world. It kind of builds like an onion and you know, his eyes are open more to you know, the stories of the people around him, his own story, um, and some of the sufferings, you know, that he, uh, he has a passion for, but he also learns about, he, you know, he meets people who are like, who are, you know, who share his, his ethnicity, but are very different, very, you know, rage filled. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different people, uh, that he comes across. There's no monolith. Um, mm. and then we also, there's, uh, a character named uh, Samael, and he is uh, on the other side of the conversation. He um, and we're going to be exploring more nuances with him in f- further installments. But he works for the Empire, but he is also a minority, yeah. and and so he has a, a unique story as well um, and reasons why he does what he does. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, continuing this conversation on the self-discovery. So, um, how does this journey of self-discovery through exploring one roots, um, really extend beyond who the individual is and, uh, impact the future generations? Yeah. Identity. Yeah. No, I, th- I think a lot of people are struggling with identity. Um, and it's, it's important that well, obviously in our households, we help our children find their identity. We help them We help them have a strong identity so that the world doesn't have to tell them who they are. The idea of succession is huge. You know, I think we have to be able to reproduce more of what we want into the world. And the idea of understanding your roots, where you come from is a big part of that. Um, so as we, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, um, 
what what are your kind of future plans for Fool's Paradise? Fool's Paradise is going to be probably occupying the next 10 years of my life, <laughs> if not <Yeah>. more, <laughs> um, which is fine. I, I, this is just the beginning. Um, we're looking yeah. to have a sequel out. I'm scared to put a date out there, but hopefully in the next, you know, in the near future, I'm just going to say in the near future, we're already working on it, but um, yeah. Yeah. I'm scared to put a date on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You said you're already working on book two. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. And three. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, cool. Um, so, um, where where can uh, folks get a copy of uh, Fool's Paradise? Yeah, well, they can get a copy on AaronBrawley.com. Um, and there's you know lots of different buying options there. Of course, we've got the e ebook. We've got bulk options, so that's the preferred way. Um, yeah, AaronBrawley.com Aaron is, is the best way to get a copy. It's available at any of your local bookstores or um, digital retailers as well. Yeah, and uh, for those listening or watching, um, the link is in the description on whichever platform you're listening on, so you can easily just click the link, uh, AaronBrawley.com, and uh, get your copy. Um, so, Aaron, uh, before we wrap up, uh, do you have a lightning round of some questions before we yeah. uh, kind of finish up here, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more? Okay, hit me. Yeah, so uh, the first question is, uh, what's your favorite snack? Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to ask you this. Is milkshakes a snack? <laughs> yeah, I would say that, yeah. I love milkshakes. I have an uh, unhealthy obsession with milkshakes. Which restaurant do you like to get milkshakes at? Um, so I like Honeysuckle Gelato. That's um place here in Atlanta. And then I uh, there's this place in Macon called uh, The Rookery that has just great milkshakes. Those are probably two best I've had. Okay. Do you guys have In-N-Out out there? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think we just got one. Oh, yeah. They have really good milkshakes if you ever want to check it out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to yeah. check them. I don't think I've had the pleasure of, of having them yet, but I'm a little snobby with my milkshakes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, cool. Um, what are you reading today, or what are some uh, ways? You, um, what are some book recommendations you have? Yeah, I'm taking a little break from reading right now. Um, yeah. But I, the Once and Future King is just such a powerful book. Um, it's the story of King Arthur, but told from the lens of you know his mentor Merlin being. Uh, living through time like being born in the 1950s and living through time backwards and having wisdom of future events and trying to tell him how to be a better leader than you know the world that is currently well at that time when it was written like going through world war ii world war one all that stuff yeah it's it's just so much uh, wisdom in there um east of eden's a great book i love that one shout out to my friend phil who just who put me onto that one and uh the book cast by isabel wilkerson uh, which is a big influence on this book okay cool um, and then how do you consume content to uh, really like develop yourself, continuously develop yourself? I consume through a lot of different outlets. I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for good stories and nuanced storytelling. So I yeah. love, first of all, anime. I love anime. I'm a big yeah. anime nerd. A uh, lot of influences from anime. Uh, of course, books, movies, um, and even video games. Video games have upped their storytelling the last decade. And some of yeah. the best stories I've ever seen have come from video games. So, cool. Um, dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? 
Uh, I'm torn between two people on that one. Because uh, immediately my first thought is Christopher Nolan. He's the director of like The Dark Knight and stuff, and he's the one who really made me want to be a film director. So I'd love to pick his brain. But also Dave Chappelle is just like, I think he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can pick between those two. Okay, cool. Um, and then what is one bucket list item that you'd like to do next? Oh, that one's easy. I want to skydive. Skydive? Yep. I told my wife we're doing it, and she's like, you might just be doing that alone. I don't know if I can do that with you. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still working on her on that, but I would love to skydive before, uh, yeah, before not too long. Um, last and final question um, regarding your book is is really – I know you, you talked a lot about, uh, you know, the different topics that the book covers, you kind of your heart behind it, but what is it truly that you hope that readers get out of this book, Fool's Paradise? I think I, my, my hope is that I, um, people take an opportunity to, I hope this book points a mirror to people uh, without casting judgment. I hope it just helps them to, it gives them tools to, to look at themselves and see, you know, is there anything that they have not dealt with? Is there, you know, and, and also, is there anything that's skewing their view of the world uh, and, and, and preventing those conversations, those necessary conversations that need to happen? And, uh, you know, hopefully they can learn to, uh, to work on those things. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, for those listening, uh, get your copy, uh, AaronBrawley.com, and the link is in the description. Um, and thank, thank you, Aaron, again. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, yeah awesome. Well, we thank you so much for tuning in to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast interview with Aaron. And if you want to grab a copy of this book, it would be awesome if we can support him. Uh, go to AaronBrawley.com. And if you're looking for the link, the link is in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on and also on YouTube in the podcast description as well. And uh, definitely get your copy of the book. It's an amazing read and uh, you won't regret getting a copy of the book. And maybe grab a couple extra for people that you think might need to hear this message as well. Because in the future, this is going to definitely be a screenplay. And he's also working on a few more books. So hope you get your copy uh, today. And thank you for your support. If this is your first time listening to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh, please subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you are uh, listening on. And uh, there's a podcast that releases every week on Tuesdays and brings some awesome interviews your way. People from different backgrounds. We had uh, Coach Denny Duran last week, and we had my sister the week before that. And uh, next week, we have another amazing guest on the podcast. So hope you tune in, subscribe so that you get a notification when the next episode goes live. And if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, Navigation and Discovery, A Path of Navigating and Discovering Through Your Journey of Faith, you can get your copy today at CameronSing.com. Check out my website there and there's various ways that you can purchase the book in various formats. And thank you so much again for tuning in and we'll catch you on next week's episode. Thank you and take care.